Today's episode is sponsored by the Christian Standard Bible. The goal of the CSB is to be faithful to the original languages without sacrificing clarity, all the while maintaining both accuracy and readability. With beautiful designs and multiple study Bible options, everyone, from adults to teens to children, can find a CSB Bible that they enjoy. Learn more at csbible.com. Welcome to Real Talk Christian Podcast, where we drink coffee and have real conversations on faith, culture, and society. This is Mark Hyde. And Chris Fuller. And on today's episode, we're going to be asking the question of, can we actually prove God's existence? Ready, Fuller, well, ready, Fuller, Fuller, ready, Fuller, ready, ready, Fuller, (laughs) Fuller, you ready to find out? Go, let's let's go. Go let's. Go let's, man. You want Yoda on me? I had to go Yoda back on you. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, hey, does, <laughs> does Baby Yoda talk? Do we know if Baby Yoda talks? I think his name is what is it? Gru or Go- Gory or something? Gru. Gru's weird. from. It, it's from. It's some weird name that he's got. Gru Gor or something like so that. So he actually does have a name, though. He does have a name. That's it's not Baby Yoda. See, I stopped watching the Gru- Mandalorian. It's- it's Grogu. That's what it is. Gro- it's Grogu. Grogu. Okay. I stopped watching The Mandalorian after like, I don't know, episode four, three, something like that. I don't know. Oh, man. I love that series. Like, I didn't get bored with it. It's more just the fact of it was hard to just keep up with it every single week. And then I just yeah. forgot about it. Yeah. Like, Loki, I, I did keep up with Loki. I kept up with Loki. Loki was good. But I enjoy Marvel more than Star Wars. Eh, I don't know who I like more. I no, like well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Are you... Okay, first off, I mean, obviously, if people could hear and we're watching on YouTube, we're remote again. We're remote for yeah. the third third episode in a row. Um, yes. We'll get back to normal soon. We'll get back to normal Eventually. soon. Eventually. Eventually, yep. hopefully soon. Um, but are you a DC or a Marvel comic person? Are you don't really care? Ooh, see, that's hard for me. That's like asking if you like peanut butter on your toast or jelly on your toast. I like both. Say the answer is both. Yeah, that's what I like. I like both. I like DC and I like Marvel. Um, There's aspects about DC I like and aspects about Marvel I like. With DC, I'm a huge Batman fan. Always have been. I've got videos of me at like two and a half years old saying I'm Batman. But on the flip side, man. But you don't have a Batman shirt. I've never seen you rock an actual Batman shirt, though. Oh, I have. It's just not church appropriate. Oh, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So, and then, you know, on the Marvel side, I'm an Avengers guy. I love Thor, Spider-Man, Iron Man, all them guys. All guy. I've, I've got so many comics from when I was a kid of, of Avengers. So. Oh, you were a comic book dude, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, see, oh, I yeah, was not was. comic book at all. I enjoyed the amazing Spider-Man TV show, but that was about it as a kid. That, that was a good show, though. I watched that one. So, but, okay, so... So from DC to Marvel, the answer is yes. But between like Marvel and Star Wars, is there like Ooh. a big like separation there too? 
there's not a big see. I like both of them too. So I, I just recently watched all the the event, all the Marvel movies, right? Oh, did you really? I just went through a marathon a couple weeks back, and then now I'm currently watching all of the Clone Wars on Disney Plus because I've been stuck at home for three weeks. So oh oh, that's the animated that, one, the animated series, the Clone Wars. Dude, so my so college students still love that show. Dude, it's a great show. So I've I'm never on my seen season, an episode. I'm on season five or six of that now. <laughs> I don't know. But it's a great. So it's hard for me to choose because I like and enjoy both. See, I have a special place in my heart for Star Wars as a kid because my dad was a hardcore Star Wars fan. Like when mm-hmm. I was a kid, I had his blanket from when he was a kid when the OG Star Wars was first released. So wow. I had like first edition blanket that was just awful. So I have a special place in my heart for it. But dude, give me Thor any day of the week, bro. So I've never cosplayed. I've never cosplayed Marvel, but I have cosplayed Star Wars. I have. Janelle has a picture of. Oh me, oh oh yes. Uh, dressed up as Obi Wan Kenobi, she handmade my costume for Obi Wan Kenobi, and we, I wore it to go see uh, the Force Awakens when it first came. Out um, I'm texting Janelle right now. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty legit picture. So. She's probably got it on her Facebook somewhere. If she ha- does have it, I'll uh, I'll have her send it to me, and I'll, we can post it up on Real Talk Christian Facebook. I site. just texted her, so hopefully we'll get it quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's at the house working right now. Oh, is she? So, so are you over at uh, your in-laws then? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where I have been for the past three weeks of my whatever's going on with me. <laughs> but Taylor Axelberg's over there helping her out too. They're they're doing some work on the house. Oh, right that's legit, dude. Yeah. So appreciate the Axelbergs. Shanna's watching watching the kids and Taylor's helping Janelle. (laughs) That's what church groups are for, bro. You know, we talk about all the time. Podcast ain't a small group. It ain't church. You can't have an actual relationship and community with the people. But that's legit, though, dude. Axelbergs, I I don't think they listen, but if you are, thank you. But if they did, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Well, dude, so uh, do you have the would you rather questions ready to go? I do. Because if you don't, I got them ready to go, too. Okay. Well, why don't you read one and I'll read one? Okay. Well, this is an easy one. Uh, would right. you rather only use a Mac or only use a Windows? Mac. See, I'm a Mac person, too. Oh, 56% of people say that. Okay, here's here's the last one, and I'll let you do yours. You ready? All right. Would yep. you, go ahead. Would you rather be a zombie or be a vampire? Vampire. Really? Yeah, man, I don't want to eat people. I'd rather just drink their blood. Yo, but haven't you seen Disney zombies? They make bracelets so you can, like, chill with people again. No. You got to watch some Disney zombies, bro. I'm I'm a zombie guy. I'd rather be a zombie than a vampire. I don't want to be no no, no glittering vampire for Mark. No. Okay, let's talk about it, right? Okay. So you you would rather look like the Walking Dead rather than the Cullens from the Twilight series. Oh, that's oh, that's that's mean. <laughs> and and vampires got powers, man. Zombies just walk and run and just eat people. That's okay, okay, okay. So if we were not comparing Disney zombies, <laughs> to, if, if, if I could be a Disney zombie, I would pick a Disney zombie because they they're they're pretty good looking too. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying every every vampire show I've ever watched growing up. The vampires have always been really powerful, can do really cool. Like I think of Underworld and all these other That's true. movies. They've been really blade. You know, they've been really kick butt. But zombies, 
there's like uh arr, arr, arr. like like, like World War Z type stuff. World War Z, the best thing they can do is run fast. <laughs> That's true. They can't even do that in Call of Duty. Can't even right, do that. Exactly, yeah. So okay, so, so if it's if it is stereotypical vampire to zombie, yeah, your boy will pick vampire too. Which yeah, I knew I knew I could convert. Eighty-one percent <laughs> of America says vampire as well. That's right. Eighty-one percent. All right, dude. What questions you right. got? So, would you rather be handcuffed to a stranger for a year, or work your current job unpaid for a year? Handcuff me to a stranger, bro. But you gotta Boys. take your stranger to work with you too, and then you gotta go to their work. Oh no, it doesn't say anything about that. I'm just saying they're, they're coming with me. I'm stronger. Right. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But it also gets really awkward when you start thinking about the implications of okay, but uh, I got kids and a family, and I go to bed next to my wife. I would rather do what I do right now and not get paid. Dude, what's popping? Don't mind me, just watching. That's what that ringtone was. That is my my father-in-law's phone. <laughs> that was legit Instagram, TikTok right there. Don't mind me, just uh, watching. That's what I heard. Um, I, I, I pick do what I do right now without pay. I think I'd pick right. that rather than a stranger. Well, 53% of Americans say stranger for a year. 47% say unpaid for a year. There you go. And then would you rather, let me see here, let's do a different one. Uh, know everyone's name, but not their personality, or know everyone's personality, but not their name. Bro, I already know everyone's personality and not their name. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's my every day. Be like, yeah, you, bro. Uh, what's your name again? <laughs> I am amazing at, what's up, bro? What's up, dude? Like, my man, how you doing? Like, I'm really good at faking it. Right. I, mean, I don't need a relationship for the first you know year and a half. You didn't know my name. No, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> that's not true. Well, 69%. Say they would rather know their personality and not their name. So we're we're in the majority. Yeah, there, look at that. Look at that. I, I like it. Well, dude, so before we keep moving forward, though, we got one review to read, and then we got to talk about what coffee we're doing. So let's do the review real quick. Then we'll do coffee. Then we'll jump in because we're already at the 10-minute mark, bro. Like, Holy we don't mess moly. around. So this is the guy who uh, he's reached out to us on Instagram a couple times. His name is Adam. Uh, he left us a review on Apple Podcasts, and it says, listen to these guys while I'm at work all day. Bro, you actually listen to us all day? I'm sorry, but no. But, uh, great biblical truth and a lot of coffee talk. Even wrote, ha <laughs> Well, Adam, I appreciate it big time, bro. Yeah, me too, buddy. We do love to talk about coffee, too. And speaking of coffee. Speaking Mark, of coffee. What are you drinking today? Dude, I, okay, so I went to Chicory Cafe to, to pick oh, something up sure. anyway. So I'm like, I want, a, I want another local roaster, you know? So I went to Chicory found out that they don't roast their own beans. They have a company that does their micro-roastering for them out of New Orleans. So this is like true Cajun coffee. So I'm drinking Cajun coffee. I'm drinking stuff from like our beloved Chicory Cafe, the Mexican roast. Mm-hmm. And you like Mexican. This is so good, bro. I I think <laughs> Beth and I pounded this bag in like a week, week and a half. Like wow. this this crap is good. It is some good quality stuff. Now I will say it's it's a little bit okay. So it's 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 pretty standard Mexican, you know. They got the medium body, big flavors. It's not as light as yours, and it kind of has more of that uh, uh, chocolatey, velvety mm-hmm. aftertaste. Like it, there's mm-hmm. not a lot of grossness in the bottom of the cup, like Starbucks, but it's right. not as crisp as yours. So it's right. So I would I would say this is bolder than yours, 
but it's not as crisp as yours. So they probably roasted it like a what a medium dark. I'd say a dark. medium to a medium dark. Yeah, like it's not yeah, light beans so, at all. Yeah, that's that's how that's where you get those chocolatey notes from. So yeah, and but that it's so fresh, is, dude. It is so fresh. Yeah. It is good. It's some good stuff. Yeah. What you got tonight, well, dude? I, I'm I'm kind of jealous of what you're drinking because I am not drinking that. <laughs> <laughs> I am drinking Maxwell House. No, you're not. No, you're not. Yes, I am. What? Why? The why? The the little pour the powder in and mix it. No, because <laughs> your boy. Your boy had to already drinking two cups of coffee before the podcast, so I had to lay off a little bit. You know how hard it was to not drink coffee this morning. Like I had to make it for Beth. Whoa! I just whacked my microphone. I had to make it for <laughs> I had to make it for Beth before she went to school and smell it. But I made her an americano. I didn't make her actual coffee. I'll have americano next episode. Um, but then I'm like I worked at the kitchen table for a couple hours before we caught up, and I'm just like, man, I just want to sip on some coffee while I'm working. I, but nope, gotta wait till fuller. Gotta wait till fuller. Yeah, so. I could not resist temptation. <laughs> well, we've got some, some of that uh, Jeffries that you're making me crazy. I bought some more of that. So we were drinking that this morning. I was like, mm, you can't, I can't pass that, dude. Waste. Next time we get together, <laughs> we're going to try the LaCroix coffee. I got some chilling in the fridge waiting for us. All right. I'll try it for Beth. Uh, no, this is this is more for, I think, our listeners' pleasure for us to be grossed out. Right, but I think Beth was the one that got it. Oh, she's the one that got it and said, like, yeah, have fun with this crap, guys. Yeah, so I'll do it for Beth. So she, I mean, <laughs> she asked for- me if I wanted it. I'm like, you just got to get it for RTC, dear. You just got to well, get it. I mean, that was kind of the thing with the, the coffee Coke thing with Janiel. So, you know, the wife's find us weird stuff to try. We'll try it. We'll try it, but we're not <laughs> probably going to enjoy it. Probably not. Well, you might. I mean, you never know. You never know, but... <laughs> The Coke, right. the Coke vanilla wasn't terrible. The Coke caramel was awful. They were both horrible. They both were bad. They were not in the good category. But the you drank like one in both, almost both the whole cans. I don't know how you did it, man. It made me sick to my stomach. I needed something, bro. It was a long day. <laughs> All right, I just needed something. I just give me caffeine, and I will just, I will trudge through it. But hey, bro, you're drinking Max. Life is too short, bro. Hey, listen, drink. it's better. It's better than no offense to church coffee because I tried to drink some of that this past Sunday. Oh, they're making one, it again. I took one sip and I go, can't do it, and I set it down. I'm like I can't. See, can't I wasn't at church it. this past week because the kids were sick. But right, so they had church. Yeah. They had coffee again. They had church coffee again. So that stuff, honestly, probably is you throw away. It's old. It's old. It, it's it, it's old and, and stale. And you can taste it too. It's old and stale. It's nasty. I might, nasty. Need to, I might just need to text Stephanie and be like, girl, throw this crap away because it's been sitting here since pre-COVID. Right. That coffee's been sitting there in a bag for a year and a half. Yeah, it's not good. It's not let's okay. It that way. It's not okay. <laughs> but either way, dude, let's jump in the conversation. You know, we joke all the in. time, though, that we want to be people's morning talk show hosts. We want to have that radio vibe. And I, I hope we're doing it. I hope we're doing it because we want to enjoy the conversation. We want to have fun because we're friends. We want you guys to be friends with us too, listeners. So, But today, I think we're going to have a pretty interesting conversation because this is a conversation that, you know, the more you talk with uh, people who, you know, watch YouTube videos, who watch shows like Unbelievable uh, with Justin Briley over in the UK, the question of, okay, cool, you guys are Christians, you're following this Jesus guy, you got the Bible. Okay, well, let's take a step back even farther and ask the question of, is God even real? Because right. at the end of the day, if God's not even real, then A, what the heck are we doing? Or B, here's another question I think would be cool to talk about in today's episode is, 
is the God that we're following even the right God? Because mm-hmm. there's different gods. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's, I mean, some people will say the, the God of the Bible and the, and the Muslim Allah are the same gods, but I don't think they're the same. So how do we know we're following the right one, you know? Right. And there's a lot of conversation around that. There's some really good, you know, Bible studies out there and books to, to read out there. So here's what I'm thinking today, Fuller. I think we should just have the conversation of why do you believe God's real? Talk yeah. to me. Why do I think God's real? Let's see what God says for himself through the scripture writers. And um, there's like five or six arguments that are historically known to just be like, hey, these are ways to just view that there's a creator God out there. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just going to throw the ball back into your court, bro. So why do you believe that God is real? Uh, you know, part of it comes from some of these arguments that we're going to talk about today. Uh, like the... Uh, Oh, what is it called? The universal argument? Is that what it's called? The the universal cos, cos, argument. Cosmo. Oh, cosmo, cosmological. Uh, cosmological argument. You. I got you. Thank you. Which is, uh, you know, how could the universe be here uh, without a creative designer? Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of an old school creationist, uh, you know. I say old school, like 80s, 90s. Yeah, so not, not like, so not old earth, just old school. Old school, old school. So, like, uh, you know, my favorite thing to say is uh, if I gave you a bag full of watch parts and you shook it for uh, a million years, 200 million years, however long you went, okay. at, at what point would that be a watch? When it's created and it functions and it works. Right, but if you're right. shaking the bag, is it going to just randomly put itself together and work? Probably not. I'll give you as much time as you want. No, probably more than likely it will turn to dust and... And break even worse. They want to get better, it'd get worse. So how, you know, taking the Big Bang Theory, you know, evolution, and I know this is kind of an old school thing, but taking evolution in the Big Bang Theory, how can particles just come together and boom and poof and there's Big Bang and things are formed? Uh, And better yet, the question for me would have been, uh, well, where'd the particles come from to begin with? Right, and that's where it starts. So, like, if you handed me a bag of watch parts, who's even to say that these are watch parts? Like, right. It doesn't yeah, know yeah. its watch where'd the, parts. Where, where'd the parts come from? Right. You know, where'd the parts and the substance and the molecules come from to make the parts? I mean, and so to me, in my mind, it's all a, uh, it's got to be a, um, an intelligent designer. Now, the big thing today is uh, aliens. Yeah, there is an intelligent <laughs> designer, but yep. they're aliens. They're aliens. Which we and talked my, about in a previous episode. Right. And so my argument there is, okay. But where did the aliens come from? Well, they've just always been. Well, it's like God. God's always been. So aliens, you know, things have always been. Okay, but now you're believing something, right? Now your faith. So really, we're not comparing evidence. We're comparing faith okay. and philosophy. So, uh, you know, I believe my philosophy and my faith is believing one way and yours believing, but it's faith. You can't say it's science. You can't say it's evidence because we're both believing something. Um, and so my belief is that it's God. God is the creative designer. He's the one. He said it from the beginning. Uh, you know, he created the heavens and the earth. Uh, Genesis 1-1. And the funny thing is, and I saw you got it in your notes, but I'm going to leave it for you. But it, it's it's interesting why it's the Bible starts off that way. But I'm going to leave that for you to, to kind of dive into here in a little bit because they're your notes and you worked hard on them. <laughs> well, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to say I worked hard on them. We worked hard on them. <laughs> well... <laughs> 
Nor, uh, so so is that the big one for you though? Is is more of this this cosmological of in order for something to be, there must be a being bigger than the thing that is is currently there. Yeah. Yes. In order for there to be creation, there has to be a creator. Um, just like in order for there to be a painting, there has to be a painter. In order for mm. there to be a house, there has to be a builder. You know, all these things that we have throughout our entire lives point to a creator. And if we continue to follow it, then I would follow it all the way back up to God being the creator of the beginning. Right. So. And in, I was doing some reading, um, not for this episode, this just barely popped in my head, of the faith of Thomas Jefferson, um, because there's two different views. There's deism, and then there's theism. And theism believes that um, there's something out there, and it's the creator God. Um, and I think... I'm trying to remember the exact difference between like they both believe. Oh, oh, um, theism is believes that there's some sort of, you know, big being or all powerful being or whatever word you want to put there. There's some great being out there that's created everything who's actively involved in the world around them. And then there's the other side, deism, where there's a mag, like, uh, again, a great being out there who created everything, but then, you know, step back and away from the creation, just let it run its course. And okay, we, we set everything up, we create it. Cool, y'all good. All right, y'all good. Maybe I'm gonna come over here and build something else over here, you know. Right. And I think that's also part of the conversation with this because if we say, okay, there's this massive, all powerful, all knowing, all wise God, why did He just create where we live? You know, if God is all big, all powerful, always been, always has been, always will be, He created all these different universes. Boil it down. Why are we the only quote unquote people out there are there other universes with other atoms like not atoms but like adam and eves are there other gods of other other galaxies you know and and this is where the question it just kind of starts to explode in my mind is god has always been there and that genesis 1 1 it starts off that way and and this was actually just a quote that i pulled off of from uh blueletterbible.org um from don stewart it says nowhere in the bible are there arguments seeking to prove god's existence the fact of his existence is assumed from the first pages when we read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So for us to see, okay, there, the Bible just assumes God's there and always has mm-hmm. been. But who's well, to say think, which God, you know? Think about who wrote, who was the author of Genesis. I mean, we know God Moses, is the ultimate author. But so Moses, Moses. So think about Moses, right? When did he write? When is it assumed he wrote the, um, the first five books? Around the time of Mount Sinai, right? Right, which is post-Egypt, right? Yep. So he's already seen the power of God. He's seen it firsthand. He's experienced the voice of God. He's talked with God. So, of course, he's going to assume he's writing this for the nation of Israel. So, to remember. And so he's writing this, and they've seen the power of God. So, yes, he's assuming that, hey, you know who God is because you've seen his power. You've seen him at work. You've experienced him. Yeah, and so let's, 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 let's lean into that a little farther with just, okay, so the Bible just assumes God's existence. I know we asked you why you believe in God. We haven't gotten to me yet. We'll do that later. It's right. I. It's I. Um, but, you know, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. That's right. it. It doesn't say, in the beginning, God was just chilling after he was born or, or whatever. It's just the fact of, in the beginning, God. Right. 
you know, God's just there at the beginning. And, you know, I have a few other different verses here that, that I brought with me. Um, these are ones where if you have been involved in the Christian faith, or let's be honest, listen to RTC a lot, we've read these passages all the time. But mm-hmm. the big one where it talks about, okay, so in the beginning, God created everything. Okay, so that means if there was a God who created everything, everything in creation would point back to the creator in the same way of when I develop a website, that website points back to me as its creator, you know, right. or, or our kids, you know, we look at our kids, okay, it points back to, okay, who are the parents? Okay, that makes sense because they, they look like them or whatever. Um, and Paul talks about that in Romans 1, where it says, Romans 1, 18 through 23 says, for God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godliness and unrighteousness of people who, by their own unrighteousness, suppress the truth. Since what we can know about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, that is his his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, all people are without excuse for though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. So even here, the Apostle Paul says, you know, going back all the way to the beginning of the earth, the world shows that there's something out there, and that's or someone out there, and that someone is God. Right. You know, and it, it's always fascinating. You know, I listen to all these conversations. I know you do, too, of these people who— um, are are atheists and then sometimes they'll go from atheist to agnostic or atheist to deist or atheist to whatever but when you look at the world and the cosmic universe around it and see how we'll talk about this how finely tuned everything is and how the earth just works how could we say there isn't a god you know right like yep. no i i think the conversation will go into this in a little bit of Okay, so how do we know which God to follow? How do we know that Jesus is the right person to follow? And how do we know that we're on the right path? Because proving the existence of God doesn't prove Christianity. It just proves that there's something else bigger out there. Right. So I think it'd be cool in this conversation to land with why we believe Christianity is true versus a lot of other religions. But, you know, having the conversation of can we actually prove God's existence? Well, we see that right here, the Bible doesn't have arguments to prove God's existence. It's just the fact of it assumes God's presence. Romans 1 says that it's clearly evident that God has been there since the beginning. Um, And even in in Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For our by it, our ancestors were approved, and without uh, verse six, now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek them. Psalm fifty three, the fool says in his heart, "There is no God. They are corrupt. They do vile deeds. There is no one who does good. God looks down from heaven to the human race to see if there is anyone who is wise, one who seeks after God. All have turned away." All the like have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And that verse we can go into a little different avenue with if we wanted to. But it's more the fact of, okay, so in the Bible it says if someone says there's not a God, it's a, like they're, they're a fool because there's, got, like, there's something else out there. There's got to be something else out there. Romans right. 1 says, you know, even creation points to it. Like, look back at creation. Obviously, there's got to be a creator God somewhere. And then Genesis 1 just says there is a God, and he always has been. 
And that's pretty much all the Bible says <laughs> about right. proving God's existence. It has more to say, okay, now that you follow God, you know, as an Israelite, here's what you're supposed to do. Or as a Christian, you follow Jesus, here's how we're supposed to live and here's how we're supposed to think and be. So, you know, throughout history, there's been so, so many different ways to prove God's existence. So, which is kind of interesting, our conversations today, they've been had for, I mean, for at least written record over a thousand years. And we're yeah. still having these arguments today. You know, you go all the way back to, to I mean, he's, he's the, the Catholic saint, Thomas Aquinas. Um, and he was around in, in AD 1200, 1225 to 1274. Um, I'm just going to read this quote. It says, he is arguably the most important Catholic theologian in history. And his major work, Summa um, Theologica, widely considered as the highest achievement of the medieval system, systematic theology, Aquinas presented his five proofs of God's existence known as the, oh, Beth is going to kill me because it's Latin. It stands for five ways. Um, can, maybe, Beth, can I, I have a translator? Know. You speak <laughs> Latin. Um or will you teach it? So we will be presenting these arguments in more detail because I got this from a professor's paper. Um, at the present, we will give a brief rundown of all five arguments, and the links to this are in the show notes. But it says, Thomas's first way involves the evidence of motion. The fact to Thomas that everything moving needs a mover shows that God, the unmoved mover, exists. The second way involves the notion of efficient cause. For the series of cause and effects that we see in the world to make sense, it must have a beginning. God, the first cause, therefore, exists. The third way notes that everything, um, my font's a little small. The third way notes that uh, every existing thing does not owe its existence to itself. However, if all things are contingent, there could not have been anything as at one time all these things could be non-existent. In other words, to account for all these ex existences, there must be a necessary being God. Like, you know, obviously you have kids. Your kids didn't show up out of nowhere. Right. Somebody had to make some babies. All right. Yep. And you and Janiel made some babies. So the fourth way shows that there exists. Uh, it's just, yeah, Janiel's going to kill me. Uh, the fourth way shows that there exists um, gradations in things. For example, more noble and less noble, more true or less true. The existence of such gradations implies the existence of an absolute being as a datum for all of these relative gradations. Um, in other words, it's talking about where's the source of truth lie. You know, right. there's got to be a there's got to be a concrete source. And there's the, a moral truth. You know what what morality is what it is. Yeah, definitely the moral argument. Um, and then the fifth way argues that the behavior of things in the world implies a grand designer or an architect. Therefore, God. So you know the same arguments that we use today. Thomas Aquinas has been kicking them out for the last thousand years. Right. So I guess here's, I mean, and, and we can break these down a little bit more and, and talk more of, okay, this is kind of what it means. And here's modern terminology for it, because I, I firmly believe that whenever you talk with someone, you can't have one common way to prove God's existence. You got to meet the person where they're at to be able to have the conversation with them. Cause you know, the moral argument might might not work for someone, but the cosmological one might, or the cosmological one might not might not. So you have to use intelligent design theory. Um, right. But you know, at at the end of the day, ooh, there's my quote. At the end of the day, we've been arguing for God's existence for well over a thousand years. So why do people not listen to the arguments? I think is a fair question right. to ask. Yeah. Well, you know, in the beginning of the of the early church, it was. They weren't so much arguing existence of God because most of their arguments were with 
Judaism, who that's already true. believed in God. Right. Um, and so that's why we don't see really the arguments coming forward until around the time of Thomas Aquinas. That's where these arguments really started, you know, 1000 AD and on. Uh, and uh, how do we have these conversations? I mean, that's what it boils down to. Why do we have these conversations? Uh, and I think the big thing for me anyways, is the fact that, uh, I don't have to go out and prove there is a God because I know God is for me now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Lean into that. So the person that I'm talking to may want proof and I can explain to them why I believe, but it doesn't mean it's going to change them. The only thing that's going to sway them and prove to them there is a God is God. <laughs> Which <laughs> we see that in Ephesians, right? Right. It's going to take the Holy Spirit to change their heart and to direct their steps into believing that there is a God because God has laid it out for us. And it says, what was that scripture you just read? Hang on, let me find it here. Um, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 said it beautifully. The proof has been there since the beginning of creation. Hebrews 11, Romans 1. It's always been there. From the from the beginning of time, God has created things in such a manner that he shows himself and proves his existence. The big thing is, is hu- the human race has always looked for a sign. We've always looked for a sign. Mm. Which you Even, see that all through the beginning of the New Testament. Show us a sign, he, Jesus. Yeah, or look at the disciples. Yep. Just show us, show us God, and we'll we'll believe that you're the Messiah. Who was that that said that? Was that Thomas? I think that was Thomas. Uh, I thought Tom, Thomas. I mean, I thought doubting Thomas only got his name because of the the upper room. Um, yeah, yeah, but I think there was Thomas. I think it was Thomas, or I forget who it was. Don't quote me on it. But there's we'll blame Peter. Disi- Peter's easy to blame. We'll just blame Peter. One of the disciples. <laughs> one of the disciples said that. Uh, you know, if you just show us merely the Father, show us the Father. Just show us the Father, mm. and we'll we'll know that you're the Son of God. And Jesus responds, "Have I not been with you all this time? Like, hey, you want to see the you want to see God? You, God is here with you. <laughs> like, I am the part of the Trinity. I am God. And uh, we're always looking for this next sign. Well, if, if God only shows me this sign, then I'll believe. If God only shows me this sign." then I'll believe. But if we go back to doubting Thomas, the upper room discourse, and, and we look at Christ says, here, put your, put your hands in my hands and put your hand through my side. And he's like, no, Lord, I believe. And Christ said, yeah, you believe because you have seen, but blessed are they who have not seen and yet still believe. And that's what it's about. God is going to influence those who are truly his elect into believing one way. It doesn't matter what we say. We could have the best logical argument for proving the existence of God. But unless God moves their heart, they'll still not believe. Mm. And it's funny because I was looking while you were talking, I was trying to find the Psalm. It's in the Psalms. I thought it was Psalm 19, but it's not. Um, but there's a scripture that talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning, beginning of knowledge and wisdom. And uh, the might be Proverbs. Is it Proverbs? Maybe, maybe it's Proverbs 17. Maybe. Uh, uh, Proverbs nine ten, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah, but there's one that says beginning of, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom, and I can't remember what it is. I'll have to look for it. Uh, but to me, that speaks out that you can't have if it's the beginning of knowledge and wisdom, you can't have knowledge and wisdom unless you have the fear of the Lord. So if you, they don't believe in God, it's foolishness. 
you know, what, whatever they believe is going to end up being foolishness because God is the creator of knowledge and wisdom. Uh, at Psalm 53, 1 through 3, you have it in here. The fool says in the heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and they do vile deeds. So uh, right there, that, that's another scripture that's good to, to, to look at and say, hey, if you don't know who God is, if you say there is no God, you're a fool. You're a fool. Yeah, and it's Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools okay. despise wisdom and instruction. Okay. So there you go. So that's that's my take on it. And, you know, but this is where I, I think the struggle between Christians and unbelievers is, is that a lot of unbelievers and a lot of atheists and agnostics or those who are just against Christianity will say that Christianity is not a logical religion. Christianity is a emotional religion. Like, you can't argue it. You can't defend it. Um, and that's why I think it's, it's good to be prepared with these arguments because the Bible says, you know, be prepared to give it a defense for the hope that you have. So I think it's a solid thing. And, and you and I have talked about it when we talk with other people too, it's the fact of, okay, so if there's, you know, babies dying and, you know, my, my, my parents got divorced or this thing happened, how can we say there's a good God? You know, you go to Africa and there's starvation. How can we say there's a good God? And, and that's where our theology kicks in. We have to be able to give a defense for the hope that we have. And, you know, there's so many people like, you know, I read, um, you know, Marty Sampson stuff going back to that. Um, you, you know, anyone who's kind of walked away from the faith, they ask these questions of why aren't Christians talking about this? And the answer is Christians have been talking about it. Pick up a book. Right. You know, and by the end of the day, can we prove to someone that God ex exists? I mean, I think we're both in agreement that no, you can't like, you can't right. sit there and beat into someone's head that God exists. I think right. part of the issue, though, is not so much of proving that God exists, but the fact of giving a logical answer, say, look, there's got to be something. you got to admit there's something out there. But I think that flips to the equation of, okay, so why, I mean, and I mentioned this earlier, why don't people want to believe that there is a God? Uh, because they, if they believe there is a God, then they are accountable to the creator, and they don't want to be, they want to be the gods of their own life. Oh, oh, let's go. Now preach. Let's go. That, that's basically what an atheist is saying is I don't want to I don't want to serve or think about that I owe everything that I have and am to something. I would rather say, hey, I'm the God of my own life. I'm the one in control of my own life and I make whatever I decide dictates the outcome of that. Mm -hmm. Rather than no, there's somebody else that's more powerful than you that is dictating the outcomes of things. Uh, based upon what they want, you know, the perfect, well, go back to the perfect will of God, the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding and directing your steps. And there is a perfect will of God that is going to happen because God knows what's going to happen. So he's allowing things to happen and not allowing things to happen in accordance with his will. You know what I mean? And I think that that scares people. Oh, it does. I think, I think deep down, if everybody was completely, completely honest and, and were to forget the lies that they've convinced themselves of, I think everybody would admit and know that there is a God. But they've fed themselves lies and they've believed the lies and convinced themselves of lies. And so um, that's why they can say they don't believe there's a God. And they can say it with such conviction because that's – that's just what we tend to do when we lie to ourselves. Right. And, yep. and believe our own lies. So 
I'm trying to find it. I, I, I flipped around and grabbed a book off my bookshelf. Um, a really interesting conversation kind of around this idea, um, in my opinion, is the great divorce, you know, by, by C.S. Lewis. And wait, there it is for, for people who are looking on the screen. And in the book, he, he talks about this scene and everything's dreary and droopy and and then he's pulled out, and it's it's a very interesting conversation of what's heaven and, and what's hell. And, and at the end of it, um, he was able to be brought into the inner sanctum where he saw a chessboard, and everything was on the chessboard. And before he could even figure out what was going on, it like he basically fell out of that that state. And I don't exactly remember all the details. It's been probably three years since I read it. But it's kind of scary and hard to think about the fact that uh, – everything does happen according to God's sovereign will, because it does make us ask the hard questions of, okay, so why are we allowing this to happen? And um, ask Pastor John, remember that one episode where it was like, it seems like God ha- seems to hate Africa. Why does God hate Africans? And and not not the black race, but the c- continent of Africa. Uh, the black race, that was worded very poorly, so forgive me. Um, but like not African-Americans and and not Black Lives Matter. It's not part of that conversation, but, but like the continent of Africa, where... It's the it's super poor. There's you know tons of sickness, tons of AIDS, tons of disease, child's death. You know your the the fact of living old is super harsh conditions, terrible waters, terrible situations. Why does it seem like God hates Africa? And someone asked Pastor John that question, and he answered it in my opinion very graciously. Um, and and I think he did a a solid job. And part of his answer was, you know, he goes, "This is going to sound like a cop out." But us humans think about this world way more than the next world and what's actually happening and what God really has in store for those who follow him. And whereas, you know, this is just a temporary world that we're just passing through. And, you know, us as, let's just be honest, Western Americans who, even though we're definitely not in any <laughs> any upper class 1% category in America, we are in the world and we're very comfortable. You know, we got more money in tech than some people do to live on for food for a year in, in other parts of right. the world. And that makes the people ask the question of, okay, no longer can we argue, is there an existence of God? But the fact of if there, I don't want there to be a God because this makes sense if there isn't a God, but also if there is a God, he sounds awful because look at the world <laughs> around us. And that's what John Steingart argues. Uh, the former singer of Hawk Nelson. So, it's easy to answer why why bad things happen, why African continent is so poor and, and desolate, why there's poor people, why there's sick people, why babies die, why you know elderly people die, why there's um, mental diseases. Um, all these things can be answered in, in one sentence. This is the result of sin. God has not desolated this earth. Sin has desolated this earth. This is what ug- the ugliness of sin has done to this world. This world was not created this way. Let's go back to Genesis, beginning of Genesis. How was the world created? It was a beautiful paradise. It was good. It was good. Where, you li- where you lived forever and you had, never had to worry about anything. You didn't have to work for anything. Like You had to tend, tend the, the plants and animals, but what did that mean? It meant naming them. We see that's what Adam did. He went and named them. Okay, so he tended. Which how dumb would that over. be? Right. So <laughs> side, that, side note: that, that's how God created this world, and sin has corrupted this world, and so much so, 
we see back in Noah that it corrupted it so bad one time that God destroyed the earth and only saved one family to start anew to try to, hey, let's start over. Not that he made a mistake because he knew it was going to happen. And that's, again, the perfect will of God. And and now we're getting to the, back to that spot where we see that, hey, in the end, the times are going to be just as bad as they were in the days of Noah. And it's going to cleanse the earth again. But that will be the final cleanse because Christ will return and rule as king. And we can say, well, why? What was the purpose of all this? And I, the scripture that sticks out in my mind is, uh, his ways are higher than my ways, and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And this, again, this has to come with the faith and trust. You know, uh, if we question God, he, he doesn't have to give us an answer on anything. He's God. Mm-hmm. So I, rather than question and not get an answer, I can just trust it and not get an answer because I'm getting the same result. Uh, it's like asking, okay, God, it's one of those questions that uh, has stuck in my mind. You know, I, I hear people say it all the time. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this. And it's like, uh, hey, you know, God, before you created the universe, what was there? There was God, but what did that look like? You Which know, is funny because our- my seven-year-old daughter said that last night when we were going to bed. She was like, right. I want to ask but, God, what, how did he show up? Right. So our minds can't comprehend it, nope. but we only have this 10 pound brain. <laughs> and as we've seen through even the past 2000 years, how much we've, uh, you know, come with technology and, you know, cleanliness and stuff like that from where we were 2000 years ago as a, as a human race, uh, we're still learning. Mm-hmm. And, and to say we have all the knowledge that God has is foolishness. Because we will never obtain that much knowledge. We just won't. And so get, we have to trust. It's uh, trusting without seeing. We have to have that faith. But, and you know, but Hebrews talks about the fact of faith is the evidence of things not seen. So it's not blind faith. We talked about that. No. It's, right. it's seeing what God has already done, like, you know, what we read in Romans 1. Sure. But we're talking about two different things here. It's not evidence of uh, faith of, is God there? It's, it's evidence of faith of, does God know what he's doing? Mm, we got you. I got you. Yep. We we don't have to have that evidence. Hebrews is not talking about that God questioning whether God knows what He's doing and needing evidence or a sign like the disciples wanted, but knowing that He is God mm. and knowing there is a God. That's where the faith and, and evidence comes in, where we can see it throughout creation, and that everybody in the end will be accountable to God for their life and their actions because creation itself shows there is a God. Mm-hmm. So that's where it boils down to. So at the end of the day, we cannot convince anybody that there is a God. In fact, I think it's fair for to say that both of us are sitting here going, I think most people realize that there's some someone out there or something right. out there. They right. just don't know if they want to admit it or not. Right. Um, I do think it's fair to have these these arguments for proving God's existence handy, you know, yes. to have those oh, conversations. Yeah. But that's to meet people where they are to have these conversations, you know? But we have a whole thing, a study on that. It's called apologetics. That's what apologetics is. I got a whole section on my bookshelf over there of it. Right. And so I'm not, I don't want our listeners to think that we're saying, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have any type of arguments for God or existence of God or why you should serve God because you definitely should. And as we read earlier or talked about earlier, you should always be ready to give that account. Um, but I don't think you go giving that account expecting that you're going to prove to somebody. 
Right. That's not, you're not going to prove anything unless God wants it, but you should be ready to give that account in case God has prepared their heart. Yeah, definitely. And, and there's a so, great YouTube video out there. I'm going to try to narrow to get this in the show notes that Sean McDowell gave five reasons for God's existence. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these are in there. Some of them are not, but I'm just going to run through the, he, he gave five. I'm just going to give four cause I combined some, um, just to wrap it all up. And the first one is the cosmological argument that, that you talked about where the beginning of the universe points to the fact that something had to start the universe. You look around, someone had to put everything into being. Um, that's called the cosmological. St. Aquinas was the, like, he's the main one person who did that one. The second one is called the teleological argument, which is an argument from design, which is the fine tuning of the universe argument. And it's, we live in a particularly privileged place. We live on a planet that has all the right ingredients for life, including the right distance from the sun for temperature, the right atmospheric pressure for liquid water, the right ingredients, the balance between heavy elements, organic molecules for life to arise. We have the right amount of water so that our world both has oceans and continents. And we started, uh, life started on our world very easily, sustained itself for the planet's entire history and given rise to us, sentient, self-aware creatures. And I got that from a Forbes article. Mm. not a Christian-based apologetic article. The fact of this is a secular argument. I'm going to put the the, the link in the show notes. I'm talking about the conscience prove the existence of God. Um, But the fact of the earth is so finely tuned that if anything was off just a little bit, we'd be screwed. Um, And the intelligent design theory kind of goes into that as well. But it's less about what the physicalness of the world is, but more the fact of look at a plant and how that works. Look at how right. our bodies and our cells work. Look at how DNA, which was one that Sean McDowell brought in. Look how DNA is even written. There's more lines in our DNA than there is in, you know, all the Harry Potter books combined. Like, right. it's nuts. Uh, the fourth one, which is my, been my favorite one recently, is the moral argument of if there's a moral law that everyone understands, there has to be a moral lawgiver. How can we say that there is a morality for our society without there being some form of baseline where we get our morality even from. Um, right. And the fifth one, which I think is super cool that John Mc, or, uh, Sean McDowell points to, is the resurrection of Jesus proves that God existed. And this is where Andy Stanley's series of um, the Bible for Grownups, I, one of my favorite series, I listened to it again just last week, where he says, if someone came to earth, said he was God, and then rose again from the dead, proving he's God, we probably should shut up, sit down, and listen a little bit to what he has to say. And right. if you, you know, started Jesus and it goes all the way back, it proves that God's there and God's real and that Christianity is is the final thought. So, um, Well, and we already have, we have secular, uh, secular historians that record that there was a Jesus. He did claim himself to be God and that his followers, Tacitus, how are, you tech, how are you saying his name? Yep. But uh, he uh, he wrote that his followers claimed that he had risen from the dead. And he's a Roman historian. And he said, hey, this is what his followers are saying. And he was back during that time period. I mean, he was part of the siege on, on Jerusalem. So uh, I, I think there's enough evidence just that to know that Christ was real. And that at least Christ's followers from, I mean, we, we could look at Christian documents, but taking secular documents they're saying hey they were saying this is exactly what they were saying they were saying their master rose from the dead and this is and they were willing to die and they wouldn't change the world because of it right exactly so 
So, yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of show notes that I think would be really good for you guys just to continue the conversation. And we didn't talk about, I mean, obviously, we didn't talk much about the fact of why we believe Christianity is real. But we have an episode on it of why am I a Christian? And you and right. I both just have that honest, raw conversation of why do I follow Jesus? Um, right. So, I'd encourage listeners to know more about that. They can go to that episode there. But before we land the plane, give people some fun facts. Any other last thoughts for you, Fuller? Those, those lists of five things are my last thoughts, bro. I'm done talking. So, any last things from you? I think my only thing is check out the show notes. Um, you can also check out, uh, uh, what is his name? Durbin. What's Durbin's first name? Jeff Durbin. Jo- Jeff Durbin. Te- check out oh, Jeff poly- Durbin. Yeah, yeah, with Apology Studios. Studios. Um, that's a great resource, though I'm not 100% with him on some of his theology. Um, very good apologetist. Uh uh, so he's a good one to look at. Ken Ham would be another one that I would consider, even though he's more creationist. Um, he's still got some good apologetics in there. Uh, Sean McDowell, like uh, Mike, Mark, you mentioned, and and there's a few others that you guys can look out. And if you guys want more information resources, um, reach out to us, and uh, we will we'll get you more um, apologetic material. Who's um, who does the B? Alan Parr. Yes, we've we've yes. him before. He's, yeah, he's very good. Yeah, Alan Parr. I mean, yeah, check him out. The the beat with Alan Parr. But um, yeah, the easiest way to find the show notes is if you're listening to the episode, you can get them right there. Or just go to realtalkrushingpodcast.com. Every single episode with their show notes is listed right there. We don't have transcripts. We ain't got money for that. Yeah, not yet. yet. (laughs) That'd be really, really dope to have an actual transcript. But um, easiest way is realtalkchristianpodcast.com. You can see it right there on the homepage. First three episodes, you can click which episode you want or just click the listen tab and it'll take you right to where you need to go. But yeah, anything else, Fuller? Or is that, did did I miss anything to put in the show notes? You think we good? I think we're good, man. Awesome, bro. You ready for some fun facts? Let's do it. Time for Fun Facts with Fuller. <laughs> How can you not laugh after hearing your girls laugh, bro? I know, it's so cute. It's so <laughs> stinking cute, bro. All right, my dude, give us the fun fact to close out this episode. Well, I'm hoping I don't do another repeat anytime soon of any of my fun facts like I did. I didn't I read this one, one, so I can't tell you yet. I've been <laughs> avoiding it. So, but you, I know, but last time you didn't read it either, and you were like, oh, wait, you already said that one. I'm like, no, I didn't. You're like, Johans, this episode. I don't like, remember much, but I remember some things that. Dang it. <laughs> I shouldn't remember. But give so, us a fun fact, my dude. Today's fun fact is there is a Starbucks cup in all frames of Fight Club. Remember the movie Fight Club? I mean, I've Brad never Pitt. seen it. I've never seen Fight Club. Fun fact. So, so there's, there's a Starbucks cup in all the frames of Fight Club. Uh, really? Side Game of Thrones. David Flincher, director of uh, directed Fight Club at the height of Starbucks cafes popping up everywhere. He claimed it was too much of a good thing and put a Starbucks cup in every shot of the film. Starbucks allowed their products being shown in the '90s cult classic as long as their shop was not destroyed on film. So for the ca- <laughs> so for the caffeine scene, Fincher used the fictional Gratifico coffee instead. That's the fun fact. I, Starbucks is all all throughout Fight Club. How how much of are you of a pop culture icon like Starbucks? Be like, um, they got free advertising in a now a dude cult level move, not cult like in a bad way, but like cult following right. movie. It's a cult classic. It really is. So can I we mean, get RTC in a, in a, in a movie? 
the one thing about Fight Club is you don't talk about you Fight don't Club. talk about First Fight Club, role. and you First talked role. about Fight Club, bro. You well, you, no, no, you talked about Starbucks in Fight Club. So I think Starbucks, you're fine. Yeah. I I think you're fine. Well, <laughs> dude, that's legit. That's that's a good fun fact. Right, and I don't think I've said it before. Which okay, side note on day of recording, you know, it's the second day of fall, right? Second day of fall. Have you gotten your third. Have you gotten your PSL yet? No. You haven't got your pumpkin spice latte yet. No. I might need to text to Neil and be like, I, hook, hook I, a brother I up. A, I did do a pumpkin spice frappuccino, but that was before fall, so I don't count it. Nah, I don't. I, I don't drink pumpkin spice lattes. I don't. I don't do that. I don't, you don't do that. Do anything pumpkin spice? I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm a. I'm a basic white boy who does not do pumpkin spice. So that's right. It's all right. It's all right. But either way, guys, we are glad you guys have joined with us. We've had a lot of new listeners on the show. Feel free to reach out to us with our email, Podcast at gmail.com. The website, realtalkchristianpodcast.com. That will take you to all the places you need to go. Whether you want to leave us a voicemail, find us on Instagram, find us on Facebook. We'd love to connect with you. You can also get to our store page by going to realtalkchristianpodcast.com. And I'm going to throw this out there, Fuller. If someone's out there and they want to become part of, you know, the family of sponsors of RTC. Maybe they should hit us up too, dude. What do you think? Oh, I think so. We are always down for more sponsors because the more sponsors we get, the more time we're able to actually create content and push content out there for people like you to follow Jesus a little bit more closely. What do you think, Fuller? That sound good? Sounds, sounds good. Also, don't forget, if you're looking for a good study Bible or any type of Bible, really, check out csbible.com. The CSB is what we read here on RTC. It's a great Bible that Mark and I both love to use. Yep, and they have, and honestly, here's the cool thing. They don't even do promo codes. Their stuff is just always at a good price, yep. which I am down for. Well, Fuller, just like always, dude, I love you, homie. I'm glad we get to do this, love even though we're remote, bro. So, But until next time, though, guys. Take it easy. Take it easy.